If you have your Bible this morning, and I hope you do, turn with me to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. The title of this morning's message is When Sin Meets Forgiveness. And can I go ahead and tell you, the answer to what happens when sin meets forgiveness is, it is oh so good. This morning's message is, is one I'm excited to share with you out of 1 John. Because when we think of our own sin, and when we think of the forgiveness God gives, there is nothing to do except raise a hallelujah. Thank the Lord for His goodness to us. And this message actually comes out of several questions I've had from several different people over the last few weeks. How is it exactly can, that we can know that our sins are forgiven? What happens? What changes in us? What should we look like? What, what is different about us when our sin meets the grace and the forgiveness of God? Woody Allen, the the famous actor and director, uh, was an avowed atheist, is an avowed atheist, uh, does not believe in God. But in an interview, one time, someone asked him the question, if there was a God and he spoke to you, what would you want to hear from God? Let me go ahead and tell you, that's a very dangerous question to ask. I don't think that's a question we should be asking. What do you want to hear from God? It's not about what we want to hear. It's about what God wants to tell us and are we prepared to hear But it's an interesting question to ask an atheist. What are you looking for in a God? If there is a God out there, what would you want him to be about? And Woody Allen answered, while he doesn't believe in God, he answered this way. I would want God to say three words. You are forgiven. But what a powerful thought to come from someone who doesn't even believe in a God. To know that his desire is that his sins, his past, everything about his life that is is away from what God wants it to be would be wiped clean. If we're honest with ourselves, that's what we want to hear as well, isn't it? We want to hear the voice of God look at us and say, you are forgiven. J.B. Phillips writes a commentary, and, and he reminds us that the only way we'll ever hear God say, you are forgiven, is if you first say the three words, I have sinned. Do you know why preachers like to preach on sin so much? Everybody rolls their eyes when a preacher stands up and says he's preaching on sin. It's right in the title this morning. I'm not trying to sneak it in and mask it. This is a message about when our sin meets the forgiveness of God. We're going to talk about sin. You know why I got excited to talk about sin? It's not for the reason that you think. It's not the stereotypical preacher I like to to pound on the pulpit. It's not I like to sling my sweat. It's not that I enjoy seeing and talking about people going to hell. It's, It's not the hellfire and brimstone that you think it is. I love talking about the sin that we bear for this reason. When we understand the gravity of our sin, when we fully grasp the depravity of our lives, how evil and wicked we are, it's only then that we get a glimpse of how glorious the forgiveness of Christ is. I love preaching on sin, not because I I enjoy the, the, uh, the consequences of sin, but I enjoy the forgiveness that Christ gives. And so this morning, we, we want to ask ourselves, what do we do when we sin? When we're as Christians or non-Christians, wherever you're at, when you sin, what is your reaction? I really think there's only, only two reactions, right? The first is what I think most of us do, 
It's what happened at the very first instance of sin on this planet. If you read Genesis chapter 3, most of us, whether we're believers in Christ or whether we're atheists or wherever we're at in the spectrum, when we sin and do wrong, our first instance is to hide or to cover it, right? To justify it. To make sure nobody knows that we have done wrong. This is, this is baked into who we are. That's why when Adam and Eve first committed the sin in Genesis chapter 3, their initial reaction was, don't tell anybody, let's hide. You hide here, you hide there. We're ashamed physically, but also spiritually naked and laid bare. We need to cover this up. And if we're honest with ourselves, when we sin, when we have errors, we want to bury them. We don't want anyone to know We don't want God to know. We want to keep it to ourselves. This shows itself in our lives, even though we know better. We know God can see it. We hope and we dream and we wish that if we could just forget about our sin, we would never have to deal with it again. What do you do when you sin? Do you cover it? The only other option really is what we're going to read about in John chapter 1. And that is we confess our sin. I've got an entire message or entire portion of a message devoted to that confession, so we're going to put a pin in it for now. But can we remind ourselves this is not what we naturally want to do? We don't naturally run and share with everyone all of our blemishes and all of our errors, all of our wrongdoings, all of our sin. We're going to read 1 John chapter 1, verses 5-10 through 10 together. Can I go ahead and warn you that the book of 1 John is either a book that you will read and fall in love with, or a book that you will read and you will hate. Because John, his goal in writing 1 John is to draw a line in the sand. If you act this way, it is evidence of your faith in Christ. And if you act this way, it is evidence of your lack of faith in Christ. I've found myself to to love it at times. Thank you, Lord, for for giving me confidence in my faith. And I've found myself hating it at times. Lord, I don't even know that I'm living worthy of your name. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, give us some of these these warnings. Read with me in verse 5 and following. This is the message we've heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. We, we have to read this passage and, and in part of reading this passage, we have this boldness and this confidence of, yes, Lord, I confess my sins to you. But then we have this reality that in our natural state, We cover our sins, we hide our sins, and live our life as if we have no sin. The truth is, Facebook is just a mirage of what our real life is. 
Facebook allows us to put the best part of ourselves out there without revealing our deepest, darkest secrets. And isn't that how we want to live all along? As I read this passage, part of me has boldness of saying, Lord, thank you for forgiving my sins. And part of me is heartbroken because I know of the sin I cover up in my own life. We're going to examine this this scripture together, but but before we do, I want to make a very clear and important distinction, a careful note that if we forget about, we can jump to the wrong conclusion. And that is this, as Christians, sin does not mean you lose your standing with God. And I want to make this abundantly clear as we read this passage. If you are in Christ... This does not mean that your sin breaks you away from sonship or daughtership. You are the child of God and always will be. This is important to to note, and as an illustration, you can think of your own children, right? Your own children are sinful little creatures. Mine are. I think yours are too. I've watched some of your kids. I know they are, right? But their sin does not make them any less of our children, right? Their wrongdoings, their mistakes, the the way that they carry themselves in a not-so-godly manner does not mean that we put them out of the house. As long as they root for Kentucky basketball, they can stay, right? That's the unforgivable sin, right? No, the, the truth is there is nothing my children can do, nothing that would ever keep them from being my daughters and my son. And it's the same in Christ. And it's important to remember this because we can read this passage and assume falsely, ignoring the rest of Scripture, that our sin cuts us off from salvation. That's not what John is teaching us. However, while we do not lose our sonship before God, our sin most certainly does break our good fellowship with God. It does keep us from that right relationship. It strains us. Sadly, many of us have experienced this firsthand with our earthly children or parents. We understand that while they never stop being our family, there are things that can be done that put a strain and a hurt. And the same thing happens with our walk with God. This passage is organized kind of in this way. Verse 5 gives us a character quality of God, a specific character quality that we're going to look at. And then verses 6 through 10 give us two truths based off of this character. So I want to start by looking at verse 5 at the character that is revealed to us in 1 John chapter uh, chapter 1 verse 5. And that is God is light. If you're taking notes in your bulletin, you can write that down. God is light. His very nature, his very being, his very character is Light, And that's what we read in verse 5. Read it with me again. This is a message we've heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. As we look at this verse, there are are several things that, that don't jump out to us until we delve in and study. And let me share a couple of things with you. I took Greek, uh, and, and my Greek professor told us this. Greek is like underwear. It should support, but not be seen, right? And so I thought, that's a good general rule of thumb, right? So I'm not going to share with you Greek words, but I'm going to share with you how it supports what we're being taught here. This Greek word proclaim is one syllable different from the Greek word proclaim, just a few verses up in verse 3. 
One letter, one character different. Both are translated proclaim, but that one letter changes the emphasis. In verse 3, the emphasis is proclaim to you. The emphasis is on what is being proclaimed, namely who God is and what God is. This proclamation is revealing to you the message, and the emphasis is on the message. But change one letter in this Greek word, and this word proclaim, now the emphasis is not on the message, but on the one hearing the message. In other words, John is writing saying, this is proclaimed to you, for you. This message that God is light is important enough that you need to stop and listen and ponder what does it mean that God is light. When John writes, that phrase to you is not there by accident. It is intentional to cause us to pause and listen. I'm proclaiming this. Listen to what I'm telling you. John says, God is light. This word light here is is specifically talking about God's moral perfection. God does no wrong. And specifically, it tells us that God is light, not God has light, or not God radiates light, but specifically, God is the source of light. In other words, it's not that God does good because he is good. No, no, it's not the action that makes God good. It's not as if we look and say, God, you do wonderful things, therefore you are good. No, God is good because it's his character. God is not good because of what he does. God is good because he is light. Everything God does in all circumstances, in all places, is always good. Just to clarify, Paul wants, or John wants us to know, in him there is no darkness at all. So we're reminded that even the sun has dark spots. Every star has spots on its surface that are dimmer or brighter. These sources of light that are emitting light lack perfect light, and yet God has no darkness. Again, the the Greek phrase here, if you were to to read it, is a double negative. Bad in English. Anybody in here, English people, don't write this in English, right? This is a double negative that John is writing. Literally, he says, there is no darkness in him, none. That's what he's writing. There is no darkness in him, none. English, that's bad English. In Greek, it's the perfect way to emphasize something. We find it all through Scripture. There's no darkness, not any, not even a little, not a tiny bit. There's not even a corner somewhere in the galaxy that God has created where he hides his sin and covers it up. No, in him there is no darkness at all. None, zip, zero, nada. Are you getting the picture of the character of who God is? We see this image of this radiant light. Not just emitting light, but is light himself. As we see this character of God and his perfection, it sheds light on our own darkness and in our own lives. And so in verses 6 through 10, we see two implied commands. The first that we read about after we know that God is light is a command to walk in the light. We walk in the light because God is in the light. And the way that John is structuring this, he's giving us a warning and then he's giving us a truth. And so we begin by this, this warning. 
If we say we have fellowship with God, with Him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we claim that we are Christians and have a right relationship with God and cover our sin and continue walking in our sin, we are liars. It says we don't practice God's perfect truth. I hope and pray that everyone will leave here this morning saying, I I have a fellowship with my God. Creator of the universe loves me and saves me. And I have a right relationship with Him. Can I tell you this morning, I promise you that many in here, myself included, need to read this verse, examine this verse, and ask ourselves, do we claim that fellowship while we still walk in darkness? This word walk is, is not we did walk or we have walked. This is literally a present word. We are walking continually, habitually, regularly. We, we remain in darkness even though we claim to have fellowship with Him. John is writing and he's saying, if you do not confess your sin, if you cover your sin, if you hide your sin, if you continue in your sin, you, minces no words, you are a liar. And you don't practice the truth. Now, John's not saying if you're a Christian and you have a sin in your life, you're not a Christian. No, what he's saying is you don't have fellowship. You're claiming you have that right relationship. And and you're walking, habitually walking. You're lying to the world. You're not practicing what you have. You're not practicing that salvation. John warns us, when you step into the light, it's going to reveal some things. And if you continue in that darkness with no desire to change, if you're habitually and regularly falling back into that sin, your whole life is a lie. You're a mirage. The truth, he says, is not being practiced. He gives us the warning, the negative command. If you say you have fellowship while you walk in darkness, we lie. And then in verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, and as we're reminded, he is the light. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You know what really stands out to me about this verse is is we know how we're supposed to walk, right? Not perfect, but certainly not continuing in sin. What strikes me about this verse is, is in verse 6 it said you don't have fellowship with God. In verse 7 it says walk in the light. And notice who it says you'll have fellowship with. Does it say you'll have fellowship with God? No. Because if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we'll have fellowship with one another, right? And there's an assumption here. If you're walking in the light, you will have fellowship with God. But the problems you have with other people... The problems you have with fellowship with one another also is affected by whether you walk in darkness or not. Have you ever wondered why some people get under your skin and annoy you so much? Don't name names. Don't turn and look around the sanctuary. You ever wondered, why does that person irritate me so much? Maybe you have some ideas. Maybe it's the volume of their voice. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's uh, that they're manipulative in some things. Maybe they've burned you before. Maybe it's something. But if you stop and think about what why can't I get along with that person? Usually it's a selfish reason, if we're honest with ourselves. I don't like this. You know what that tells me? It tells me our broken fellowship with each other is another instance of us walking in darkness. Because if we were to walk in the light, if we were to, to follow after what God has us to follow after, 
we would have fellowship with one another. I think one of the sins that we commit as Christians is, is dislike and hatred, or the opposite of favoritism, right? It's this, this idea that there are some things that we just can't agree on, and so we're just not going to, to even deal with our brother or sister in Christ. That's not walking in the light. That's walking in the darkness. That's rebelling and running away. And God says there is no room for that darkness in his body. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we'll have assumed fellowship with God and we will have fellowship with one another. The first command is simply this. Do what you're supposed to be doing. Walk how you're supposed to walk. The first command is know what God wants you to do and strive to do it. But then John gives us a second uh, assumed command because he knows you and I will fail miserably. As a matter of fact, he even tells us that we'll fail miserably. And so he gives us another command because I, as your pastor, cannot walk in the light every minute of every day. As a matter of fact, I fail often, every single day. What am I supposed to do when I'm no longer walking in the light? I want that fellowship with God. I want that fellowship with one another. How am I to deal with the sin that creeps up in my life? And John tells us, if you want to deal with your sin, you've got to quit hiding it. Don't hide sin. Confess it. Oh, this is so, so hard for us to do. You know, James tells us that we need to confess our sins to one another when we gather together in prayer. I've never once been a part of a prayer service. Wednesday nights, gathered together. Does anybody have any prayer requests that want to add or update? And someone slip their hands up and say, can I just share with you the lust I've had in my life this week? I've never once had that. Can I just share with you the words I used to the lady behind me at Walmart? You know, I've never once had anybody do that. Uh, by the way, I'm not advocating that our Wednesday nights need to turn into some sort of confessional, but, but the point is, we're not ready to do that, are we? The truth is, I'm not ready to confess my sins. I want to hide it. And I'm not ready to hear your sins. I'm not a person who is welcome and open to it. Because I, I want to be judgmental, and instead of lifting you up in prayer and pointing you to Scripture, I want to tell you what's wrong with you and how I think you can fix it. We're not built for confession of sin. And yet, there's this command we're going to read about. It says, stop hiding it. Share it. But look with me in verse... 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Now, there's not a person in this room that's going to admit that they are not sinful people. I know that. As a matter of fact, I can prove it. If you have not sinned and have no sin in your life, will you please raise your hand? Anybody? Easy, right? We've got this one all. We should be able to move on to verse 9 then. Because all of us would say we have sin with our mouths. But how many of us hide our sins and bury it and live as if we have no sin? I'm going to be the type of person that doesn't admit my wrongdoing. I'm going to be the kind of person who justifies my wrongdoing. I'm going to be the kind of person that when I, I fall into sin, I'm going to give you all the reasons why in this instance it was bad, but it's not as bad as what it could have been. Sometimes saying we have no sin does not mean we say it with our lips, but we say it with the way we carry ourselves. We're like Adam and Eve. We're hiding in the bushes, trying to cover ourselves. 
knowing full well internally that we sin, but not ready to share it. Certainly not with God. If we say we have no sin, we have deceived ourselves, and the truth of God is not in us. But there is a positive affirmation. The warning is, don't hide your sin. The positive is this, if we confess, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, the positive is if we would just open up. If we would look at God and say, I have sinned before you. God, it says, is faithful and it is just. There are some translations, and I actually prefer these translations, that say he is faithful and righteous. That's really the better word there. He's faithful and righteous to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Those words are exactly the same, just and unrighteousness, except for one letter at the beginning. So it's literally, John's using a play on words, he is righteous in your unrighteousness. He is just in your injustice. He is right when you are wrong. Everything about you that has sin, God is perfect and faithful, and he will, in that moment, offer full forgiveness. So we ask ourselves the question, how do I know, how do I know that I'm a believer? Later in 1 John, he's going to tell us, I'm writing this letter to you so that you'll know and you'll have confidence that you are a son or a daughter of God. How do I know? Well, I think a major barometer for us this morning is are we hiding our sin? Are we burying it? Are we keeping it to ourselves? Do we want everybody to think we're walking in the light when really we have this ongoing struggle that we we refuse to give to God? Are we covering up our sin or are we ready this morning to confess our sin and say, Lord, I, I need to change. What I'm doing is wrong. I know it's wrong and you know it's wrong. And I'm tired of living a lie. This morning as we, we think about the application to this morning's message, it is not to come forward and share your sins with the church. It's, it's not the application. I believe Biblically, you make a strong case for private sins need to be taken care of privately before God. Public sins need to be discussed publicly. So the sin that you're battling with between you and God, the invitation is to stop trying to hide from Him. Stop trying to pretend like you have it under control. Stop trying to to make your life look like it's one thing when in reality you're struggling. The invitation this morning is to, to release to cling to that promise that John tells us. If we'll confess to him, all the worry we have about the guilt is taken away. The confession of our sins before God means that he is faithful and just, righteous, to cleanse us, to make us right, and to bring us in a right relationship with him. When we understand how deep we are in sin, it's amazing to see how rich God is in love and forgiveness. Would you join me in asking for God's forgiveness this morning? Father, we come before you and we confess the sin in our hearts. We confess the sin in our lives. Lord, when we stand before you in your light, it casts on us such illuminating darkness in our own lives that we have but two options. Lord, forgive me for most of my life 
for covering my sin and pretending like it didn't matter. Lord, this morning, help me take option number two. Lord, help me to to stop hiding and to start confessing. Lord, let me examine my own life and realize that I'm struggling and I need you. Lord, in that moment, give me the reassurance that you are faithful, you are just, you're forgiving, and you cleanse me. Father, we pray for the person in here who's praying that for the very first time. We ask that your spirit would change their hearts and let them understand their new creation in you. That you literally remove sin. As far as east is from the west, your word says. Lord, for others in here, they're praying it maybe for the hundredth time. They're believers and they know you, but their fellowship's broken. Lord, restore them. Lord, we pray that you would reveal sin in our lives, not because we enjoy the consequences, but because we trust that upon our confession, you will forgive us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.